0: All right, this is what we're doing this morning. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter and let us pray, and we'll give definition why we're in 1 Peter, why we're going to read through the whole letter. Um, but I have to stay on task so that we're not here until 5 p.m. So, Heavenly Father, we love you tremendously, Lord. As a body of Christ, we have repeatedly come to you this morning in prayer. We have repeatedly talked about you, your holiness, your beauty, the wonder of you, who you've demonstrated yourself to be in our lives, how you've changed us and transformed us and caused us to grow, Lord, how you've blessed our community here, Lord, this this gathering of believers in Jesus, how you've built our relationships, how you've used each other, uh, to, to sharpen us Lord we're very thankful and we're humble so thank you for giving us this day to gather to worship you thank you for giving us this day to, to gather and to sit at your feet so we ask that you would give to us your spirit so that we would have the ability to hear your voice to know what you're speaking to us individually to know what you're speaking to us as a body of Jesus Jesus so that we'll know how to continue to bring you glory and honor in every area of our lives, Lord. Help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is what's going on. So most of you know we are traveling through the book of Acts. The first half of Acts, much of the emphasis is upon Peter. Last week we were in chapter 12 where you have Herod Agrippa, arrests the apostle James and has James executed. He then arrests Peter and God miraculously delivers Peter out of prison. So that gave me pause and just asking the question of we don't know why God allowed James to die and why he saved Peter. We can't give definition to that other than It's under God's sovereign will and under his sovereign choice in both of those men's lives and bears testimony that God is in control over our lives. James was done, and he finished his race well. Peter, on the other hand, he was given an extra 20 years. So as we sat in Acts chapter 12, it's roughly 10 to 15 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. We know the date that Herod Agrippa died, it was in 44 A.D., so now that we're sitting in First Peter in this letter, we are fast-forwarding in Peter's life 20 years. The Lord preserved Peter's life for a 20, another 20 years. Clement tells us, he's an early church father, that Peter was crucified upside down through Roman persecution. He was still ended up being executed by an oppressive government. But the Lord preserved him for 20 years. So not only in those 20 years did Peter spend his life continuing to serve the lord continuing to go place to place sharing the gospel strengthening the church the lord is preserved for us the lord we're told that in that when it comes to the inspiration of the word of god that the holy spirit came upon men That he is the one inspiring their minds and their hearts as they're pinning down these words using their culture using their personality using their circumstance so we have faith and we have trust and we have confidence that the Holy Spirit moved upon Peter's life to write this document to churches who needed to be encouraged in the culture in which they lived, in a culture that was in opposition to their relationship with Jesus. Just like we live in a culture that is post-modern, that is post-Christian, our culture stands in opposition to our relationship with Jesus Christ. So when we sit in this letter, it's encouragement. The Lord has preserved it for all generations, for all Christians, regardless of the culture that they find themselves living in, to find encouragement. Much of this letter as we travel through it is going to deal with suffering the suffering that comes from the culture, most of it from the outside, from the devil even. Some of it's internal, Those the, the war that we have even within that stands in conflict to our relationship with Jesus Christ. So as Peter's encouraging the body, we're gonna sit in this entire encouragement. But at the very end, I, wanna, I want you to see this because I want you to, to know what Peter says that he's writing about. At the very end in chapter five, verse 12, Peter makes this comment that I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this, what he has spoken about in the entire letter, this is the true grace of God in which you stand. So as we travel through all of his words Keep that as the umbrella over what we're reading. Keep that as the foundation that he's talking about. This is the true grace of God in your life as a follower of Jesus, and in our life, in our community, as followers of Jesus together, in the midst of the overall culture in which we live. Now, I made mention I was talking to Jeremy about this before we even started to uh, this is hard for us. When you read an email, what do you read? First sentence, maybe the second sentence. You skim through the rest of the document. This is, this is reading through an entire letter like this. This is contrary to what we've been trained in mentally. We usually read very little snippets. It's going to take us about 45 minutes to read through this entire letter with seven stops along the way. There's a specific outline to this. There's a specific structure. So as we go through this... For the most part, I'm gonna provide very little comment and I'm just gonna read. As I read through it, I will add flavor, extra um, words to give definition to behind the words that we're reading. But the goal is I'm only going to stop seven times along the way. And there's these major therefore statements. There's these major exhortations that the rest of the text is focusing on as Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is encouraging the church that is abiding in, living in, dwelling in a culture that stands in every way in opposition to who they are as Christians, which means as followers of Jesus. So here we go. 1 Peter 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, pilgrims is sojourners, people who are traveling, and these of the dispersion, they are temporarily residing outside of their true homeland. Sit in that definition. We are temporarily residing right now outside of our true homeland, which is in the presence of God for all eternity. To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, modern-day Turkey, elect, chosen, picked out according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, Spirit, and Son, our God. Grace to you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed, praiseworthy, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. You mark your Bible circle, hope. It's what this much of this document is about the confidence, the expectation that we have in Jesus. Begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, literally imperishable and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Not only are we saved, but there is a salvation coming. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved and distressed by various trials, by diverse different kinds of tests, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, examined by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, speaking of those prophets in the Old Testament, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand, notice this, the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It's a major theme through this. The sufferings of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, the glories that would follow, not just his resurrection and his ascension, but his return. Our lives imitate his life. We travel through sufferings, many different kinds of sufferings in this life. But there is a glory coming that will follow at the revelation of Jesus Christ. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which have now been reported, announced to you through those who have preached the gospel to you, not of themselves, but by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And here's our first stop in verse is that, what is that, verse 12 or 13? I got notes all over the place in circles. Looks like verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. The thrust of this therefore statement is not the idea, the, the idea of girding up the loins of your mind. It's making your mind ready. The focus of this therefore statement is the word hope. The purpose of preparing your mind for action, the purpose of being self-controlled, is that your hope, your confident expectation in Jesus would be resting fully upon his grace that is going to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns for you, for me, for his church, there is a grace coming, a favor, a gift, unmerited favor, the the fullness and the completion of all that he has promised to us. Peter is exhorting and encouraging you. We are encouraging one another. This is a command. This is an exhortation. This is an imperative in the Greek. You have the responsibility to choose. Cause your hope, your confident expectation who Jesus is. Rest your hope on his grace that will 100% for sure be brought to you and given to you and demonstrated to you for all eternity when Jesus comes back. As, verse 14, obedient children... Not conforming yourselves to the former lust, to your former desires, as in your ignorance. Don't let your life look like what it looked like before you knew Jesus. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. It's a quote out of multiple places in Leviticus. The idea of holiness, what holiness is, is what God is. Words of translation are blameless, without sin, dedicated, sacred, pure, perfect, worthy, divine. God's promise to us through the sacrifice and resurrection of his son, he is Caused us to be, is making us to be, and will ultimately, uh, we will abide in his holiness forever. Be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay, throughout the time of your sojourn here in fear. And This is in the fear of God, in awe and reverence for God, not the fear of man. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, with the costly, with the valuable blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained, this is to know before, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest, was revealed in these last times for you, whom through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is, through the Spirit, in sincere, without hip- hypocrisy, without being hypocritical, in sincere love of the brethren, so this is the filial uh, the love that we have in the body of Christ, love, agape, God's kind of love, sacrificial love. So obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides, it remains forever because, quotes out of Isaiah, Isaiah, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word, the spoken word of the Lord, of Yahweh, it endures forever. Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, number two, laying aside, taking off all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes. This is being born again, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The imperative in this therefore statement is that which you desire. The emphasis is not upon that which you are putting off and that which you are laying aside. The imperative of this therefore statement, the focus, is what you desire. He's already talking about not being conformed to your former lust, your former desires. Things that you naturally desire in your own heart things that this world tells you that that you ought to desire and things that the devil comes into our lives to tempt us to desire. Our desire, our longing, our yearning, this, this command that we have, this encouragement that we have as to, as a newborn baby needs milk to grow. That's the imagery that we're given. You have been born again, born above, born of the Spirit of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, change the desire of what you're thinking about, of what you're aiming about, and how that process works in our life is to have a desire for the unadulterated, the untainted Word of God. And the focus here, this Word earlier, it's uh, through the Word of God, it's through the Logos of God. So... Um, like the word of God as a whole but the word of God of the Lord endures forever this is rhema this is the the spoken specific message of God through the rhema by which the gospel was preached to you and it tells us to desire the pure milk of the word here the idea of the word it's a different word for word which its emphasis is on what is rational what is reasonable what is logical and again The entire word of God gives us definition for what is reasonable and rational for us to desire and long. It gives us what is reasonable and rational to help us grow and mature into the image of Christ. Verse four, coming to him. This is uh, the imagery of one of the songs that we are singing as we go through this. Uh, A lot of temple imagery here. Coming to him as to a living stone. He was rejected, he was disapproved, he was deemed not worthy by men, but chosen by God as precious, as costly, valuable. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this is using a lot of Old Testament Jewish religious imagery that was given to them by God and applying this to Jews and Gentiles in the body of Christ. Verse 6, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed, that they were set in that place. Verse 9, but you, listen to this position that we have from God. But you are a chosen Generation, You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, literally his own possession for the purpose that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. For those of you who are familiar with the prophet Hosea, a lot of imagery being drawn out of that. Verse 11, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, I beg you as foreigners, you, we now, and as Christians, We dwell in this world just like as a foreign person, as somebody who has come from another nation is dwelling in a nation that is not their native land. We are sojourners, we are foreigners, we are temporary residents, sojourners and pilgrims. Abstain, literally distance yourself from fleshly lusts, which what? Which they war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable, among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And This again, this is him, this is Peter addressing their cultural context. And for us, we could sit in this in our cultural context. And here's the next therefore. So the third therefore statement is submit yourselves. The imperative here and that travels for almost the next chapter and a half is under this umbrella and this foundation of what it means to submit ourselves. And before we go any further in the conversation, if you want to know what submission looks like and you want to know what submission is defined as, we look at Jesus and Jesus alone. How did Jesus submit himself to his father? How you answer that question, how we answer that biblically and truthfully is the imagery and the command that we abide in in the rest of this submission context. Therefore, submit yourself, listen to this, to every ordinance, every creation of man. Remember, the government at this time is Rome and all of its wickedness. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, for who? For the Lord's sake, for Jesus' sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good, for this is the will of God. Repeated theme through this letter, talking about what the will of God is for our lives. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, literally, not as a slave, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, as a cloak, as a cover for wickedness, but as bondservants, as slaves of God. Language here, very specific. Not as a slave but not using our liberty as a hide, as a cover for our continued wickedness, but that we would smit ourselves as the slaves of God because we are no longer the slaves of men, we are not the slaves of the devil, and we are no longer slaves of our own sin. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Again, as we travel through... It's going to address household slaves, very specific context in the culture. going to look at wives and their submitted role in the relationship between husband and wife. Again, very specific culture and context that's being defined. The same things as the husbands are being addressed. In this culture, at this time, we need to know this to understand this, of what's being communicated. A slave did not have the right to choose their own God. A wife did not have the choice to choose her own God. This is a culture where the patriarch of the family, his word is law by the law of Rome. Again, as Peter is addressing Christians, there are believers who are household slaves, whose faith is in opposition to the command of their master. There are wives whose faith, who they have chosen to respond to Jesus as Lord and Savior, is in opposition to the will of their husband. There's a cultural context that's being, it's important for us to understand uh, as we go through this language. So verse 18 says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Verse 19, for this is commendable. Literally, for this is grace. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what, what credit, what fame, what glory is it if when you are beaten for your faults, for your sin, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is grace before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, a pattern, a model, that you should follow his steps. Literally, that you should follow his footprints. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, when he was abused, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he committed himself, he handed himself over to him, to his father, who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes, whose wounds you were healed." For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won, may gain, may be gained by the conduct of their wives. When they observed your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, external, arranging the hair, and again, this culture, they they piled up braids high, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person, the internal person of the heart, with, again, imperishable beauty of a gentle, gentle, and quiet spirit. You want to know what a gentle and a quiet spirit looks like as defined by Jesus? Write this down. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 5, chapter 11, verse 29, and chapter 21, verse 5. Jesus defines himself as gentle and quiet. He is our example, which is very Precious, very costly in the sight of God. For in this manner, in the former former times, the holy women who trusted, literally, who hoped in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. But Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with, live with them, with understanding, with knowledge, giving honor, literally, rending, rendering what is due, what is due to our wives, husbands, we are to give them honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel, and again, this, this is an image picture it 's not that they're weaker in faith, that they're weaker in, in anything else it 's that idea of how would you treat a delicate and fragile vessel in contrast to something that 's a lot more robust honor you would hold it in a delicately in a position of um, again of gentleness of meekness, that same spirit of Jesus, and being heirs together of the grace of life. Husbands, that your prayers may not be hindered, thwarted. Finally, in verse 8, halfway through the letter, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, being sympathetic to each other. Love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, literally humble, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing for he who would love life and see good days. Let him refrain, cease his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous And his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers, imitators of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God. Set the Lord apart in your hearts. And always be ready to give an answer, to give a reply, to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So, you know, as we read through this next, next section here, it's, it's a very complicated passage. And I'm not going to comment on its complexity. Verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached, announced to the spirits in prison, who were formerly disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, constructed, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Verse 21, there is also an antitype, literally a copies, a, a corresponding thing for us, which now saves us, baptism. And listen to this definition, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, not just getting wet and taking a bath on the outside, but the answer, the appeal of a good conscience towards God. So literally, this, this, this copy, this, this antitype for us, baptism through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are immersed into him. We are defined that we are dead and buried with Jesus in his death, and through his resurrection, we are given and granted a new life. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God? Angels and authorities and powers have he been made subject to him. are fourth, therefore. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. So the exhortation is to be armed, literally to make your mind ready To make your mind equipped, arm yourselves also with the same mind, the mind of Christ. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regards to these things, in regards to these, they think that it's strange. That you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation. Literally the same lavish debauchery. Speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Our fifth pause here, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Again, the imperative in this, the therefore statement The word serious means to be sensible and to be reasonable. The word watchful means to be sober, to have self-control. Therefore, believer in Jesus, be serious and watchful in your prayers, in your conversation with God. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover A multitude of sins. quote out of Proverbs 10. I love that declaration because how true it is. His love has covered a multitude of sins. As we interact with one another, our love for him and for one another covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. How grumbling. As each one has received a gift, literally as each one has received a gift of grace, a grace gift, minister it to one another. He's given us gifts not for, not for to be consumed on self, but to be in service to our brothers and sisters in Christ. As good stewards, as a good manager of the manifold of the various grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers... Let him do it as with the ability, the strength which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm preaching there in the middle. Verse 12 Beloved, do not think it strange concerning, concerning the fiery trial, the burning which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake, that you share in Christ's sufferings. Again, this is when we look at Jesus as the example, how he suffered suffered in personal relationships, community relationships, government relationships. He's our example. As we follow him, we are partakers of and sharers of his life. That means we will suffer the same things that he suffered. That's, When his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached, if you are slandered for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. On your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, As a thief, as an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. This is kind of humorous that a murderer and a busybody are kind of left together in the same list. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, and we ran across this word in chapter 11 of Acts as. The body of believers in Antioch were first called Christians. This word is seen as a definition from people on the outside. Some thought it was just a definition. Some think it it was a, a slanderous term. But if any one of you suffers as a Jesus man, a Jesus woman, a Jesus freak, a Jesus person, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, literally saved with difficulty, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? They won't shine. Our sixth therefore statement. Therefore, that those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good is to a faithful creator. And the imperative in this statement is the word commit. It's literally you take your soul, who you are, and you entrust yourself to God. He is faithful. He loves you. He is concerned about you. He is invested in your life. He is constantly speaking, leading, correcting, changing, maturing. Our responsibility, Lord, here is my soul, and here is not just my soul in speech and in attitude, but in the actual actions of my life, committing your souls to him in doing good because he is the faithful creator. Chapter 5. The elders who are among you I exhort... I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Peter watched his trial. He watched the brutality of his scourging. See Peter flee at that moment in in mourning and his rejection of Jesus. Not sure where he was at the crucifixion but witnessed his sufferings. Not only that, he was a partaker. He shared in the glory that will be revealed. That is in reference to when Peter, James, and John witnessed Jesus transfigured on the mount. They saw Jesus in his glory, and they knew the glory that was coming. Can't imagine what impact that had on Peter's life. The exhortation, shepherd the flock of God. Which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords, having dominion over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves. To your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The seventh, therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves underneath the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Love this. Casting all of your care, all of your anxiety, all of your worry, all of your fear, all of the cares of this world that choke out the word of God in your life, cast all of your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He is concerned about you. He is attentive to you underneath the mighty hand of God. Verse 8, be sober. Again, be self-controlled. Be vigilant, means to be alert. Why? Because your adversary, your accuser, the devil, we can't see him, but he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom he may consume, swallow up. Resist him, oppose him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace in which you stand she who is in babylon assumed to be rome elect according elect together with you greets you and so does mark my son greet one another with a kiss of love peace to you to you all to y'all who are in Christ Jesus, amen. How rich is that? So in summary, defining this, this letter that we just sat in, Peter is defining this is the true grace of God, the favor of God in which you stand. Christian, Rest your hope fully, completely, in totality upon the grace that is to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christian, desire, long for, yearn for the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby because you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Christian, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Christian, arm yourselves with the same mind of Jesus. Christian, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Christian, commit your soul to God in doing good as to a faithful creator. Christian, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. This is the true grace of God in which you stand. And don't forget, Peter is writing these words to a community of believers that is being opposed in the culture in which they live. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop living for Jesus where our commands, our exhortation, in the midst of this world in which we live, we are told that God has called us to a hope in Jesus, a confidence, expectation that Jesus is not only coming, but the, he is here right now. And all that you are, in your mind, in your heart, your soul, your strength, your energies, your words, your actions. Jesus, we are submitting ourselves to you. We are asking, Lord, that you would receive us continually into your presence. Not because that we do good things, Lord, but because of your incredible grace. You give to us a favor that we don't deserve. You've given to us a freedom. I am no longer a slave to my sin. I'm not a slave of this world. I am not a slave of the devil, but I am free. God, I'm praying that you would enable me in the liberty that you've given to me, that I want to use this freedom to abuse your grace and to hide sin and to continue to do my former lust but that I would choose to be your slave, choose to be your servant, choose to be owned by you because I am your special possession. And not just me, Lord, but us. You've made us new people, a new creation, a new nation, each one of us, male and female. We are your priests. We are here to serve you and to minister to you to offer you the sacrifice of praise, Lord. We praise you. You are worthy. You are wonderful. We hope in you, Jesus. We expect you to do good. We expect you to change us. We expect you to cause us to be free. We expect you to instruct us and to help us. We expect you to heal us. We expect you to come and to come quickly. We hope in you, we submit to you, we humble ourselves before you. We ask, Lord, that you would cause our minds to be a fortress like the mind of Christ. And our communication to you, Lord. May we be truthful and sincere and honest. Our sins and our faults, trusting in your forgiveness and your cleansing that you have brought through the sacrifice of your beautiful son that was the plan A before the foundation of the world. I'm praying for each one of us, Lord. May you cause us as a congregation to live, to conduct ourselves in the new life that you have given in revival in love, in compassion, in sympathy, in service, in grace. We stand in your grace, and in your grace alone. We stand in you, Jesus. We ask that you protect us from the onslaught of this world and from the devil, from our own flesh, the war that's going on internally, Lord. And that you would let us today and for all eternity shine your marvelous light. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.